Welcome to Marksman, a podcast for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ-likeness. I'm Mark Spellman, your host, and so glad you're joining the conversation today. So glad that you're a part of this journey together. And wow, we've had such an awesome time. I'm having such an awesome time as we've been on this journey for weeks and our journey's not over. Man, what a what a great time we've had looking at Hebrews chapter 11, the the great hall of fame of faith, God's hall of fame. God's Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11. We've been looking at different men, men that inspired not only the life of Christ, but men who can inspire our life as we aim towards Christ's likeness. Because each of their lives teach us something about Jesus. Each of their lives was part of the fulfillment of what Christ's life would be and what Christ's life would accomplish and what Christ's life would look like and how our lives can look. And so, Unfortunately, I can't do a lot of review, uh, otherwise we don't get too much moving forward. Um, if you've missed any of these podcasts, please go back on the Marksman feed, um, and you can see all the different episodes, you know, Enoch and Noah and Abraham and and uh, and just different ones all the way through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And now we're talking about Joseph, and I uh, believe we're coming up on, on episode three of Joseph and uh I hope we can get done today with Joseph, I, but I'm not going to rush. I, I promise you that. I tell you, there's so much uh, about the life of Joseph that embodies Christ-likeness. And uh, so if you missed any episodes, just go back in the feed, pick them up, uh, listen to them as you go. Just get in your car, let it play. Uh, you don't have to be sitting, taking notes, you know, studying. I mean, just that's what the beauty of podcasts are. You can you can hear the conversation while you work. You can hear the conversation while you're at the gym. I, I do that when I'm at the gym. I listen to podcasts. It's just a great opportunity, burning those calories and just feeding on good conversation, godly conversation, something that's going to shape my heart in Christ likeness. So yeah, whatever you're doing, mow in the yard, put your headphones on. Come on. Spring has sprung. Let's let's get things, get some yard work done. Let's put our headphones on and listen to some podcasts. <laughs> okay. Anyway, you get the point. There's no excuse. Just hey, tune in if you missed any episodes and we hope you'll join future conversations. But let's get into today's uh, continued discussion about Joseph. We left off talking yesterday about all the different tests that Joseph went through. And I, I didn't get this is not original with me years ago. Probably 15 years ago, I came across a, a sermon on the life of Joseph. I was I was into this study. I've been in, I've been studying the life of Joseph um, for decades, for a couple decades now. Um, but I came across this message by uh, Joseph, um, I think it's Joseph Morris. He's out of uh, Plano or Dallas, Texas somewhere. Anyway, he talked about these different character tests that the life of Joseph teach us. And so I'm just, I'm using his point, not his message necessarily, but the points. I loved how he broke this down. They're all P's, you know, that's cool. The pride test, the pit test. These are all character tests. The palace test, the purity test, the prison test, the prophetic test, the power test, and the prosperity test. This was the journey from the time Joseph received his dream in Genesis 37 until the time now he has come to power. And it's quite a journey. I know life is a journey. It's got some ups and downs. It's got some hard lefts. It's got some cliffhanger moments. And Joseph had that. 
And our life has that. Your life has that. But here's the journey. God's with us. And see, that was what was in Joseph's bones. And that's why he said, when you leave Egypt, God's going to visit you. God's going to take you into a land. You take my bones with you. And it wasn't just an issue of don't leave my coffin in Egypt. It was take what was in me. Take it with you. The lesson my life exemplifies, you know, it's, it's what his, les, his life taught us, that God is with us. He's with us in the pit. He's with us in, us in our pride to deliver us from it. He's with us when we're in the palace. He's with us when we're misunderstood and we get thrown into prison. He's with us in the good prophecies and in the bad prophecies. I don't mean bad. I mean the, the hard ones, the corrective ones, the ones that warn us. He's with us in power. He's with us in prosperity. And none of those have to derail our lives. See, this is the thing. God's plan for Joseph stayed right on course through the pride, through the pit, through the palace, through the purity, through the prison, through the prophetic, through the power, and through the prosperity. And I want you to join me today in Genesis 45. We're going to dig into some details about the pardon and the purpose. Say that with me, the pardon and the purpose. So Genesis chapter 45, his life is all about favor and forgiveness. That was what was in Joseph's bones. That was what Israel was going to need. That first generation that didn't go in, Numbers chapter 14, why didn't they go in? Because they just would not believe God was with them and God was for them. And that was what Joshua and Caleb, who had a different spirit, they had a different outlook, they had a different perspective, they had a different mindset, they had a different conviction. They thought, these giants, yeah, they're in there, but they're bred for us. God is for us. And I can't help but quote Romans 8. If God is for us, if he didn't withhold his only begotten son, then how or why would he not with him also freely give us all things? So we are men of favor. But we also need to be men of forgiveness. Men who know the power of purpose and the power of pardon. And so let's get into Genesis 45 here. This is the great reveal. This is the great reveal. Joseph is now in power. He has interpreted the dream of Pharaoh about seven years of abundance, leading to seven years of scarcity. And now he's been appointed by Pharaoh, second in command, one of the most powerful men and one of the most powerful nations. And he's a man of God. Praise God. He's a man of God. He's a man who's passed every test. He's overcome his pride. He's overcome the pit. He's overcome the deceptions that can lie in wait in the palace. He's overcome the purity test. He's overcome the prison test. He's overcome the prophetic test. He's overcome the power test. He's not on a power trip. He knows his life is the fulfillment. He has power because God gave it to him. You know, we learn this in in uh, Pot- uh, not Potiphar, we learn this where um, Jesus stood before Pilate. And Pilate tried to tell Jesus when he was interrogating him, hey, listen, you, sh- you should cooperate with me because I have the power to condemn you. I have the power to set you free. And Jesus said, you would have no power unless it were given to you from above. Power comes from God. All authority comes from God. And so you got to learn that. We have to learn that as men. And that's what Joseph had to learn. 
power. Power. We got to learn there's a purpose for power. And we got to learn God's purpose for power and influence. Influence in our homes, influence in our marriage, influence in the workplace. We got to learn to use power for God's purposes. And so here in Genesis 45, his brothers who had thrown him away, they were in in their land and they were suffering. They were struggling. And so they go to Egypt to buy grain and they find themselves buying grain. And Joseph is there where the grain's being handed out. He's overseeing things and he notices his brothers and he makes an arrangement to meet with them. And he, meet with the, he meets with them privately. And we're reading about it here in Genesis 45. He's going to meet with them privately. He does have an interpreter with him because at first... He talks to them through an interpreter. Let's go to Genesis 45. Verse 1, it says, Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried out saying, everyone leave. And so no one stood with him when Joseph made himself known to his brethren. So whatever aids and agents he had with him as interpreter, he made everybody leave. And now he is alone with his brothers, his brothers that threw his life away, that rejected him, that hated him, that despised him. And I want you to think about the obvious parallel here between a revelation of Jesus Christ on the cross. How many know it is my sin that put him on the cross? It's your sin. It's the sin of humanity that put him on that cross. And yet, as we read about Joseph revealing himself, I want you to think about Jesus revealing himself to you. When you and I know it, it was our sin that put him there. It was our sin that put him on the cross. It was, it was our life lived in darkness and selfishness and, and narcissism. I heard one person say sin, S-I-N, self-indulgent narcissism. I think that was Pastor Jerry DeSoma down in Needville, Texas. I heard him say it. I don't. Maybe it's original with him. Maybe he got it from somebody. But I like it. It's what sin is: self-indulgent narcissism. So when when we see Jesus, and we're in our self-indulgent narcissism, we realize, and it was our sin that he was paying for on that cross. When Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, I want you to think about Jesus revealing himself to you how they felt, and how we feel, how they're tempted to feel, how we're tempted to feel. What does Joseph say, and what does Jesus say? So there stood no man with him while he made himself known, verse 2, and he, Joseph, wept. He wept so loud, he was so overwhelmed in that moment where he's about to reveal his identity to his brothers who rejected him, hated him, despised him, didn't understand him, hated the favor on his life, hated the dream that God gave him, and they just threw him away and sold him into slavery and were glad that he was gone and lied to their father about what happened, and they let their father mourn his death. They let their father grieve his death, and it was all a lie. And now Joseph is revealing himself, and he's weeping. He's weeping before them so loud that the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am Joseph. 
first thing he says, does my father live? Now put yourself in the lives of his brothers. <laughs> my, my, my. I can't. I mean, I can try to imagine what they're feeling in this moment—the fear that's gripping them, the the shock that's that's pounding. Their hearts are racing, and Joseph is starting the conversation. He's asking about his father, their father, Jacob, Israel. Does he live? That's the first thing he wants to know. Is my father still alive? I mean, this is about family, y'all. I hope you're catching the heartbeat. What is family mission all about? It's about Jesus came to save his family. A family that went off the rails. He came to get his father's family back. Jesus, a brother, came to save lost brothers and sisters. And you catch it here as he's weeping. And he says, does my father yet live? And his brethren, they couldn't answer. They were struck silent. They were troubled at his presence. They were shocked. They were overwhelmed. They were like, oh my gosh, how's this going to end? And how many we can get in that place where we're just thinking about our own survival. And we're in that place where we're just, our flesh is wiggling, our flesh is shaking, our flesh is trembling. Because we're now accountable to the one who created us, who formed us from all eternity. And now his son has showed up in our lives. And how are we supposed to receive him? Are we, you know, like that old song, you know, I can only imagine. Am I going to, am I going to dance in your presence? Am I going to drop to my knees and weep? What are we going to feel in that moment? We can only imagine. Well, here they are. Joseph as a type of Jesus Christ. Joseph as a prophetic view of who Jesus would be when he reveals himself to us. His brethren couldn't answer. They were troubled by his presence. Verse 4, Genesis 45, 4. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me. Come near to me. I hope you hear the heartbeat of God. If there's something in your life that's not, if there's something in your life that's not right, and you're sensing the conviction of God, if you're sensing the conviction of the Holy Ghost, if you're con- feeling the conviction of God's glory on your life, and you're tempted to feel ashamed, you're tempted to want to run, you're tempted to want to hide, you're tempted to want to cover, you're tempted to want to blame. Hear the Lord, come near to me. Don't run, don't hide, don't blame, don't cover. Don't do what Adam and Eve did in the garden when God came into their presence, facing them in their sin. Like Joseph coming to the presence of his brothers, facing them and their sin. You're going to see it in the conversation. He's well aware of what they did. He doesn't act like they did nothing. In fact, he go on. He says, come near to me. I pray you. I plead with you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. So he, he identifies their sin. He's not, he's not acting like, oh, you did nothing. I'll just let it go. No, he's, he's letting that weigh on them. He's letting that be crystal clear. I am Joseph, your brother. And I hope you can hear this today, men. Jesus wants to say to you, 
I am Jesus, your brother. I am Jesus, your brother, whom you sold, whom your sin put me on a cross. Come near to me. Come near to me. Verse 5, Genesis 45, 5. Now therefore, do not be grieved nor angry with yourselves. He didn't say don't feel convicted, but he said, but don't turn on yourself. I'm here to deliver you. And when we're trembling in our sin, we're trembling in our conviction, it's not just so that we feel bad and feel we hate ourselves. It's not the point of conviction. When God's conviction comes upon us, it's not just so that we hate ourselves and get mad at ourselves. It's because the deliverer is present to deliver us. Our brother Jesus is present to deliver us. And yeah, his presence will bring conviction. His presence will bring us to our knees. His presence will remind us that it was our sin who put him on the cross. But it's not there. That conviction is not there to just make us hate ourselves and, and regret what we've done and just live in that soup of shame. No. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear what Joseph said to his brothers. Hear what Jesus would say to you. Don't be angry with yourselves. Yes, you sold me, but God used what you did to send me before you to preserve life. Yes, our sin put Jesus on the cross, but Jesus on the cross ultimately brought about a great deliverance to preserve life, to preserve posterity, to preserve God's family for the future of ages to come. Joseph goes on to say, for these two years have been famine. There's yet five more years. There's not going to be harvesting. There's not going to be planting. There's going to be famine. Verse 7, but God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth. Do you know when you read about in Genesis, I'm sorry, Revelation 21, and you read about that city that comes down, that new Jerusalem, having 12 gates, and on those 12 gates, 12 names of the tribes of the children of Israel? How many of those names are not going to be on those gates if Joseph takes revenge? If Joseph just gets even, if Joseph just takes justice and doesn't have any forgiveness in his heart, doesn't have any mercy in his heart. Remember, the cross is about justice and mercy, but on the cross, mercy triumphed over judgment. So we're learning about the pardon test. We're learning about divine purpose. We're learning about redemption here. God sent me before you, verse 7, Genesis 45. God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth, to save your life by a great deliverance. And so now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he's made me a father to Pharaoh. He's made me Lord of all his house. He's made me a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. And of course, you find out then he he puts things in motions and and he goes and he sends his brothers back and and they go get their their father Israel and they, of course his mother's already passed away but his father Jacob or Israel comes back with his brothers they he takes care of him 
He provides for them. How I many know they they weren't living over in a little old shanty, a little old shack? No, they came back to Egypt and they lived in the best. They drove the best. They had the best. They lived in the best land, the best homes. They had the best clothes. Joseph took care of them. Is that not the perfect? We have been made joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. We've been made joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He He's allowed the life he has and deserves. He's invited us into it. He's asked us to be married to him, to coven to to come into covenant union with him, to be the bride of Christ, to be a a covenant partner with him throughout all the ages. He took what he didn't deserve by faith. Did you hear me? He took what he did not deserve by faith, the judgment, the wrath of God, so that we could take by faith what we don't deserve, the favor, the forgiveness, the pardon. (laughs) that's what communion's all about I pray maybe even after today's podcast maybe just get you some communion elements and just remind yourself men he took by faith what he didn't deserve so that I could take by faith what I don't deserve I just sense a powerful cleansing coming to your heart I just sense a powerful reset coming to your heart because this is what was happening for Joseph and his brothers, his family, God's family, God's legacy, a legacy that would ultimately bring forth through the nation of Israel the promised seed, Yeshua, Jesus, who then we would believe on and receive as Savior and Lord and be born again. Hallelujah. Woo. Man, I hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as I am. This is this is God speaking to us through His Word. And so what you see as you move forward in the story, moving over to Genesis chapter 50, you find this out. Let me see if I can find this here. In Genesis chapter 50, I don't know if I have this typed out or not. I might just have to grab it here. Yeah, Genesis chapter 50, go to verse 15. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. Let's move forward in the story a little bit. Joseph's father, their father, Israel dies. And so uh, they they leave Egypt and they go bury him in a, in a proper place with his wife. And they're buried together. And so they go do that. And then they come back to Egypt. Joseph brings his brothers back to Egypt. And we're now in Genesis chapter 50 where this has taken place. We're going to jump into verse 15, Genesis 50, verse 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph now is going to hate us. Whoa. Think about this, y'all. You can see how hard divine favor and divine forgiveness is to receive. I mean, they've been living in favor. They've been living in forgiveness. And they think it's because of Joseph's honor for his father, but somehow they're not included. And that once daddy's dead, Joseph's going to get his revenge. That only daddy being alive is keeping Joseph behaving right. 
and not punishing his brothers, not getting even with his brother, not getting revenge on the, on what their brother, even though they're living in forgiveness, they're living. He's taking care of them. He's providing for them. They're blessed because we find out that clearly Joseph did not let their secret out. Do you realize Joseph is a national hero? He has saved a nation. They're they're existing in these seven years of famine because God gave a dream to Pharaoh. Joseph interpreted the dream. Pharaoh appointed Joseph. Joseph is now ruling the land of Egypt. He ruled them through the land of plenty or through the years of plenty. They stored up 20%, 20%, 20% every year so that during the years of famine, they'd be sustained. And not only are they sustained, people come from the lands round about, like Joseph's brothers did, came out of Canaan, came to be preserved in Egypt because of all that Joseph did when he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And now his brothers are enjoying the blessing and benefit, not just of not dying, they're living like princes. They're living a favored life. They're living a blessed life and forgiven life. And yet, because daddy dies, they think, "Uh uh-oh, now he's going to get even. Do you know sometimes we think there's going to be something we do that finally is the hinge pin that, yeah, God forgave me. Yeah, God forgave me of my sins, but now I do this, and this gets removed, and now God's going to get even with me. We've got to make sure we don't go there, guys. Genesis 50, verse 15 When Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph is now going to hate us. He will certainly require of us the evil we did unto him. So even though they're forgiven, they're not clean. They still feel dirty. They still feel like, man, they can't forgive themselves, basically. Do you know under the old covenant they had forgiveness? They had their sins forgiven year by year. But under the new covenant, we don't just have forgiveness. We have cleansing in the blood of the Lamb. The old covenant believers had forgiveness. But new covenant believers, we have forgiveness and cleansing. How many have ever read 1 John 1, 9? Whoever confesses their sins, God is faithful and he's just. He's faithful and just to forgive us, to pardon us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just doing a little bit of study in Scripture, you'll find that the blood of Jesus was not just for the forgiveness of our sins. It was for the cleansing of our sins. See, they were forgiven, but they weren't clean. That's why they couldn't wrap their mind around what this divine forgiveness really is. It's not just forgiveness like, okay, I'll I'll let that go. It's to get cleansed. It's to get the shame of it off. It's to get the guilt of it out. It's to get the condemnation off our soul. It's to purge our conscience like Hebrews talks about. To purge our conscience from the dead works, the things that we did that brought sin and and pain to our family, pain to our marriage, pain to our children, our grandchildren, pain to our own life. I say it jokingly, but it's really no joke. I wish I could blame the devil. But no, I made the choice. I made the decision. He tempted me, but I took the bait. And I can get into shame I can go from zero to 60 like that if it were not for the blood of Jesus. 
Blood that not only forgives me, but it cleanses me. I want you to receive that today, men. The blood of Jesus is for us to forgive us, yes. To pardon us, yes. But don't just be pardoned and get out of jail and live in the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. Let the blood of Jesus have a full work in your heart. To pardon, yes. To forgive, yes. But to cleanse and to restore innocence again. Colossians 1.20 talks about that. You read the Passion Translation, it brings it out beautifully. That by the blood of his cross, <laughs> everything is brought back to its original intent and innocence is restored. Colossians 1.20, if you read the Passion, you see it. It's a restoration of innocence. And see, Joseph's brothers had forgiveness but they did not have that innocence. And so they struggled to receive it, and they thought, surely he's going to get even with us. And so they went, and they conjured a story, and they said, listen, here's what Dad said. Um, Verse 16, Genesis 50, verse 16. They said, they sent a messenger. Actually, they didn't even, (laughs) afraid to face him. They sent a messenger to Joseph and said, your father commanded before he died, saying, you shall say this to Joseph. Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of your brethren and their sin. For they did unto you, and for all that they did unto you, forgive the trespass of your servants the the God of our fathers, on behalf of God of our fathers, and Joseph wept. This is verse 17, Genesis 50. Joseph wept when he heard that. He wept when he heard that. And he fell down in his face. And he said, behold, they said, behold, we are your servants. We're your slaves. And Joseph was weeping, and they were weeping, And they just didn't want him to get even. But he was wanting them to understand, I forgave you years ago. I want you free from the shame. I want you free from the guilt. I want you free from the condemnation. And Joseph said in Genesis 50, verse 19, Fear not, am I in the place of God? As for you, yes, you meant evil against me. I know what you did to me. But God meant it for good to bring to pass today, this day, to save much people alive. Now, therefore, do not fear. Don't live in shame. Don't live in guilt. Don't live in that regret. Don't live in that condemnation. Do not fear. I will nourish you, you and your little ones. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. I pray that you take those words, not just from a man named Joseph. I pray that you take that revelation from a man named Jesus, a man who came to save you, a man who came to save me, a man who came to save the world. And when the world sees him and they see what they've done to him and they see that their sin put him on the cross, I pray that when you communicate the gospel to them, that you also help them feel God's heart towards them. That yes, their sin cost Jesus his life, but death couldn't hold him because he was innocent. And he took by faith what he didn't deserve so that they could take the gift of salvation, the gift of deliverance, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of pardon, and the gift of innocence and the gift of righteousness because he took by faith what he didn't deserve we can take by faith 
what we don't deserve. And we can receive the abundance of grace. And we can receive the gift of righteousness, Romans 5.21. I pray that today this message, this conversation has encouraged your heart, man, to receive not only the pardon from heaven, the forgiveness from the cross, knowing that on that cross justice was served. Your sin was paid for. My sin was paid for. The sins of the world was paid for. But I pray that you receive the full message of that cross where Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what I know about them. And I pray that you allow not only the forgiveness to come to you today. If something's weighing heavy on you, regret is just holding you in chains. Shame has you shackled. Condemnation has you locked up. I pray that you receive freedom today in the blood of Jesus. I pray that you receive cleansing today in the blood of Jesus. And I pray that this story, this history that we've talked about, the life of Joseph, that you see the life of Jesus and you see how Jesus wants to receive us, how Jesus wants to receive you as a man. Joseph spoke man to man with his brothers. And I pray you're letting Jesus speak to you and to your heart man to man, saying, I know what you did. Yeah, I know what you did. I was there. I saw what you did. I know the sin in your life. But come near to me. Receive my forgiveness. Receive my pardon. And because my blood was shed for you, receive cleansing from your sin. That's my prayer for you men. That's my prayer for myself, my family, my wife, my children, my future grandchildren. I pray that for generations upon generations upon generations, for you and for me. Receive the pardon of heaven because you understand the purpose. Receive the innocence, the gift of righteousness in Jesus' name. Praise God. Wow. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, what a journey Joseph had. A lot of tests of character, pride, the pit, the palace, the purity, the prison, the prophetic, the power, the prosperity, the pardon, but ultimately the purpose. And now hopefully you understand a little bit more maybe why he said, take my bones with you. If you're going to enter into the land to promise, you're going to enter into the land God promised you, then you're going to have to pass some tests along the way. And you're going to have to see what I saw. You have to understand what I understood. And you're going to have to go through those tests and through those seasons and through those times. And through the power of Christ in us, we can do it, men. We can do it. Men, young and old, I'm talking to all of you. Man, we we got this. Christ is in us. Christ is for us. Christ before us. Christ beneath us. Christ above us. There's no way we can't win. Love never fails. You know, though you fall, thy Bible says in Proverbs, though a man fall seven times, a righteous man, he will arise. I pray, if nothing else, it's helping some of you men get up, get back up, get back in the race, shake off the shame. Like like blind Bartimaeus, throw off that coat. Throw off that thing that, that life's tried to put on you. Even if your 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 wife or your family, I mean, because sometimes God will forgive us, but people won't. Can I just speak honest and plain? Sometimes God forgives us and people don't. 
But we've got to walk in that forgiveness that God offers. Sometimes it's going to take people time. It's going to take people time to, if we've caused a lot of pain, if we've caused a lot of hurt, if we've caused a lot of disappointment, if we've caused a lot of pain, God forbid, if we've abused certain situations and people, God forgives, God cleanses. And sometimes it takes other people time, though. But we don't have to let what they don't see change what we do see. Did you hear me? We don't have to let what they don't see change what we do see. And they may not see forgiveness, but I want you to see God's forgiven you. Christ has forgiven you. He paid for that forgiveness, and he paid for that innocence. And let the life that you live that's been transformed by God's grace, his favor, his forgiveness, and then let your life lived speak to those who might not be so quick to forgive, who might not be so quick to forget. Let your life speak to them. Even if we have to go to our grave in some situation, I know I'm speaking pretty plain here today because sometimes people don't let go. Sometimes people won't forgive. And that's between them and the Lord because the cross settles it for all of us. The cross will settle it for them just like the cross settled it for you. But some people won't receive the justice and the mercy of the cross. Sometimes people won't receive the favor and the forgiveness of the cross. And so they have a hard time showing it. They have a hard time giving it. You can't give what you don't receive. And so people who have a hard time giving it just shows they haven't received it. And so sometimes sometimes people go to their grave and people they love, people they hurt, even though their life got right with Christ, other people never let them go. But they'll stand before their Lord. They'll stand before Jesus one day. And we got to just trust the righteous judgment of God in those situations. And wow, I did not in, intend to get into all that and to say that, but I tell you, that's where that's where the life leaves us sometimes. So make sure you let your life shine today. Let your life so shine that they may see your good works. They may see the favor and forgiveness that the cross brought you. Let them see the witness of your life. Let them see the change and the transformation of your life. And, and just pray for them. Just pray for them. Just intercede for them. Whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's coworkers, whoever it is. Man, I'm here for you. My family's here for you. We're praying for you. I say it all the time. If we can be praying specifically for you, please email us. SpelmanMinistries at gmail.com. We'll be praying for you. Send us your testimonies. Send us your praise reports. Brag on God. Brag on Jesus. We want to hear about what God's doing in your life. If you have things you want to hear talked about, conversations you'd like to have on Marksman, make sure you let me know, and we'll dig into the Scriptures, and we'll we'll go on a journey together. So I want to hear from you. I'm so glad that you've been part of the conversation. Hope you've enjoyed this journey together, walking through a few weeks together with Joseph on his journey, which ultimately brought us to Christ and his journey, which brings us to the divine reset. Jesus came to save lost brothers, lost sisters, lost family, so that the Father's legacy might be redeemed and we might be family forever. 